0: Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by reanimatedrecords.com. Fair warning, Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. The Kyoto Brothers, Steven,
1: Edward, and Charles, were well-known special effects artists in Hollywood focusing in clay models, creature creation, and stop-motion animatronics. In 1988, they decided to cross over from creating special effects to creating their own movie. The original concept came from Steven Kyoto, who imagined the most terrifying image he could muster, and that involved driving down a lonely mountain road, and a car would pass by with a clown staring back at him. From that simple idea spawned the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space, a PG-13 horror sci-fi spoof where a group of aliens arrive on Earth from unknown origins and begin harvesting humans as a source of food. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to break out the cotton candy and prepare our popcorn guns as we talk about the 1988 movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Welcome back to Rewind of the Living Dead. I am Damon Martin.
0: And I'm Patrick Guerra.
1: And uh, Patrick, this week we are discussing a movie that I will give full credit with your suggestion, or blame, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I gotta be honest, I've seen this movie before, uh, but as I said before we started recording, I have not watched this movie with a critical eye ever uh, until yesterday, I watched it again uh, and and watched it with a more critical eye, depending on what we're going to be talking about on tonight's
0: show. And uh, I gotta be honest, man, Killer Clowns didn't really hold up for me. Oh man, I was shocked. I was actually really shocked. See, this Killer Clowns from Outer Space, for whatever reason, it must have just been on replay uh, on HBO when I was a kid. Uh, we had a hot box, so we had we had free HBO. And um, I, I remember just watching this movie over and over and over and over again as a kid. I mean, I've probably seen this movie more than I've seen a movie like The Shining, which we've covered on this show. Like, I've seen this movie a lot of times. And then, of course, there was this monstrous gap that, you know, from probably the age of like 17 or 18 until now when I hadn't watched it. And my God. What an, what an awful movie this is. <laughs> it's so it's bad. Terrible. It's terrible. so like there's
1: a lot of movies that like I kind of watch with an eye when I when I like you know we've talked about, you know, certain movies like you know like Slumber Party Massacre where you know obviously yeah. the acting is pretty terrible and you know, the effects aren't great and things like that, but you kind of watch it with that eye of knowing it came from like 1981 or whatever. And you kind of watch it with that. And I know this movie came in 1988. So I kind of, I sat down watching it knowing it was kind of cheesy and kind of, you know, bad effects and things like that. But man, I was like, I was like, did I ever like, what did I see in this movie? I just didn't under, like there were, I mean, there were funny parts and there were, you know, obviously funny scenes, but, I'm just like at the end of it, I'm kind of like, what did I see in this movie? Like, I really didn't understand what I saw in this movie.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's one of those things where I think like slumber party massacre, that you bring that up, like, that was a movie I always had on, and I was like, oh, this movie's a total joke. When I sat down and watched it with a critical eye, I was like, wait a minute, actually, there's something quite interesting about this film that I hadn't seen, because I'd never really sat down and absorbed it before. And I absorbed Summer Party Massacre, and I was like, there's actually something to this. We actually kind of determined at the end of that episode that that was like an outlier movie, that it was was a different kind of slasher and a slasher that you haven't seen before or since. Now, Killer Clowns from Outer Space takes place in the late 80s, right? Or it's released in the late 80s. So what you have now is you've had a almost a decade worth of slashers that have been on the big screen making money. So at this point, you've just got people trying to like cash in on on slashers, cash in on horror films because the '80s were rife with them, and it was a it was a low budget way to make a lot of money. So everyone, and it still is horror is still that way where it's like, hey, if we don't spend a lot of money, we make a lot of money. That's why Blumhouse is like one of the powerhouses in Hollywood right now because they keep their budgets low, their overheads low, they make a ton of money. So this is what was going on in the late '80s, and you can see. The difference between something made in the early 80s and something made in the late 80s, which is just cashing in and just trying to, like, you know, uh, 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 let's just uh, throw clowns at it and see if it works. And it didn't work.
1: Yeah, more or less, like, from my understanding, doing research for this movie as we got ready for tonight's podcast... You know, basically, you know, the understanding is, is that, you know, this was, you know, the, the the concept was pretty simple. It wasn't like a, you know, lifelong dream to make a movie about killer clowns from outer space. And originally they were just going to call it killer clowns, but they didn't want it to be confused with just a straight slasher movie. So they added the, you know, from outer space to make sure people know right. it was an alien movie. It was PG 13, which was kind of unheard of a little bit in the eighties. Most of those movies were, you know, most of those uh, classic eighties horror films were, were R rated, you know, they had nudity or a lot of cursing or whatever. Uh, so Violence. Was, yeah. So it was a little different in that regard, but you know, it was one of those movies like it didn't do well when it came out, but it eventually attained you know cult clas- cult classic status. But rewatching it, I really don't understand how uh, because <laughs> this is okay. So we've talked about this a lot in the show. This is obviously we've been doing the show for a while now, and 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 uh, every time we do a horror comedy, I, I end up prefacing my my love or hate for a movie by saying I'm not typically a horror comedy fan. Yet every horror comedy we've talked about in this show, I've kind of praised, you know, from Return of the Living Dead uh, to Wolf of Snow Hollow. I've praised a lot of the, the, the horror comedies we've talked about. And people who are regular listeners are probably saying, this guy's a hack. He says he doesn't like horror comedies. <laughs> but then every horror comedy they talked about, they like. But here's the thing. So, as I've said, my statement I say every time I talk about why I don't typically like horror comedies, it's not that I don't like horror comedies. I love horror comedies like Zombieland, the first one, not the second one. Uh, I love, you know, Shaun of the Dead. You know, I love those kind of horror comedies that are made to be horror, but they're really comedies that, that dabble in horror. You know what I mean? They're really comedy movies that they just have a, a horror theme to them. Uh, you know this movie and I'm sure this movie obviously was being made if you read about it anywhere it says a horror comedy or a sci-fi comedy or a horror sci-fi comedy They they intend to say it's it's meant to be funny, but For some reason this movie falls into that category where it's almost like they tried to make a, a, a horror movie They tried to make a sci-fi movie They tried to make a comedy movie and they somehow missed it all three and it just didn't it just doesn't it just doesn't get
0: me they were throwing everything at the wall on this one. You know, truth be told, folks, Damon Martin does like horror comedy, <laughs> but what he likes is he likes horror comedy that's well done. This is not well done. That's the problem. It's just not well done. They they threw everything at the wall to see what would stick. That they, they just kind of went in. Now I, I, <laughs> I will say this: I, they, they, there's a lot about it that I actually appreciate, and it has to do with the I think that the craftsmanship of of. The puppeteering, I think, is pretty good. Uh, actually, I think it's more than pretty good. I think it's pretty great. But then again, the Kyoto guys are special effects people. I was surprised because this is clearly like a micro-budget film, but when it came to the clowns, the clowns looked great.
1: Well, you know, I mean, I'm going to argue with you a little bit there. It depends on how you really? look great. Yeah, I mean, they looked. I mean, they looked interesting. Uh, they were kind of an interesting creation. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say they looked great. Uh, but they looked they looked they looked different than maybe what you would expect, but they definitely gave them a unique look. I'll give it that I don't know if I would call it look great in terms of the overall effect because the overall effect looked pretty bad in, in comparison to interesting in my opinion it looked pretty bad compared to to the the actual you know, the human characters and things like that like it was very much puppets versus humans and I understand that's kind of the concept but they were not I don't know like I'm not one of those people like and I'm sure this is part of the conversation we're going to have right now which is you know how do we find clowns are we do we find clowns scary do we not find clowns scary I'm not one of those people who really particularly finds clowns scary but I understand why clowns can be scary like when I watch it or I see you know when I see old photos of John Wayne Gacy things like that I understand how clowns can be creepy how clowns can be scary to certain people I get that. Uh, these clowns did not scare me. They did not, they did not. I mean, they kind of looked a little creepy, but only because the effects were so bad that it was kind of like, oh wow, this is really not, this is really off-putting, but I didn't really find them scary. I mean, their, their faces, like it just, again, it looked like puppets and they weren't good puppets. And so they weren't scary to me. And so even though I'm not one of those people that's traditionally scared by clowns, I can understand the scare factor of clowns, but this just didn't do it for me.
0: That's interesting yeah it really is because I thought oh, oh, I should say the clown heads everything else is kind of cheaply made but the head itself is an animatronic head so all these all these heads on all these different clowns are animatronic and the movement and and the and the like I did I couldn't see the seams I couldn't see the guy in the suit looking through the the you know these are the things that I mark for like bad effects where it's like oh that is very clearly like I can I can see how it's all working. When, I, when they were do close-ups, and they did a lot of close-ups on the clowns, like snarling and the slime coming off and the teeth effects, I thought were actually really – the teeth were really well done. I looked at it and I went, that's the best part of this movie is just looking at the heads on these clowns. Like they just – I mean, yes, they move like puppets. This is 1988. They still kind of move like – like, sort of like a Jim Henson-style puppet. But like everything kind of – looked more natural than I expected. I think because the bar was so low for this <laughs> film that I was like, wow, I'm surprised the puppets held up as well as they did from my memory. So, you know, again, I hadn't seen this movie in maybe 20 years, 20 plus years maybe. And uh, and I looked at it and I was like, the, the clowns hold up to me. They still look the way I remember them, not like, oh, wow, that's really bad 80s effects. I'm trying to think right now. I'm trying to pull something out of my head. What's like a bad... What's bad '80s effects that we can compare this to?
1: Uh, that's a good question. What's a bad '80s effects movie? I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, when it's you start thinking about, yeah, you know, when you start thinking about like you know '80s horror films, there's quite a few that are bad. Yeah. I mean, you could look at, I mean, you could look at almost every almost every '80s horror film minus a few has bad effects of some kind, especially the lower budget ones. I mean, when you look <laughs> at movies like you know like Chopping Mall and some of these other ones, there are some yeah. really bad effects in those movies, but. Again, the, the you know, the the concept and, and the, the script and the, and the delivery, there are certain movies that just kind of move past that, and you kind of understand that going in. This movie with killer clowns from outer space, like, you know, the concept is supposed to be clowns are scary, but, you know, again, there's nothing really creepy or overly scary about these clowns. I mean, even when people are, like, interacting with them they're not really scared of them they're just like kind of mocking them and then they get killed for being stupid or whatever you know like the, the bikers you know kind of mock the clown and the yeah. clown you know, yeah. kills one of them and you know say so the the clown's in the in the convenience store which was a scene that took way 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 too long <laughs> like they're in this convenience store for like 30 minutes it's a gag that's being played over like 30 minutes in the film of yeah. these clowns like hanging out in a convenience store and I'm like what is going on here like why are we hanging out in this convenience store for like 30 minutes it's like, what's the gag? And there is no gag. It never no, pays no off. Gag. Like they no, never it... do anything. They show up to the counter with a bunch of like Alka-Seltzer and stuff, and there's never a payoff.
0: No, there's there's never a reason why. It's a lot of really bad writing. Like these guys, yeah. I mean, I, I took a I took a quick look at uh, at, at, at Steve's uh, – uh, the, the director, Stephen Chiodo's resume. He's done mostly effects his entire career. That's probably where he should stay. He should stay out of the writing section of it, right? I, it was really weird like – the layout of the film, like how the film is laid out and paced, it's just sort of like these, these little vignettes of like clowns trying to trick people into being killed uh, with not a lot of like payoff in the killing department. Like it's just sort of like, oh, they shoot like a really cheap looking gun at them and then they spin into a, you know, a, a ball of cotton candy. Uh, it, it, yeah, I mean – they were just trying way too many things and they had no idea of story. Like it was, again, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to say if I was on set, I'm going to bet hundred percent they spent most of their time focusing on that puppetry work, which I still think comparatively is still pretty good. I mean, it's not dark crystal. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's not, it's not on that level, like really amazing puppetry, but for what this movie is, it was, it was made for 2 million bucks. I'm guessing 1.5 of that went into, creature effects.
1: Well, it certainly didn't go into the script. I can tell you that much and, for sure. <laughs> because
0: I'm you know, oh, at I mean, paintings. Yeah. Like, There's I mean, tons
1: of mat They, they just like, I mean, again, and I don't need, I don't need a horror movie to have like a, a tremendous plot. I mean, you look at, you know, slumber party massacre. We talked about that movie and the the, the, you know, the plot in that movie is so razor thin, you know, yeah. you could literally punch through it like rice paper. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a, a, a very intricate plot. I get that. And I don't need, you know, every movie to be seven, where it's like, you know, a mystery and like, you know, I'm, sure. I'm sucked into the story and I need to find out who the killer is. And I don't need it to be that. It can be Nightmare on Elm Street. It can be Friday the 13th. It can be, you know, what, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It can be a very, you know, kind of a simple idea. You just have yeah. to execute it properly. And I understand, like, they were crossing a lot of genres here. They were doing horror. They were doing comedy. They were doing sci fi. They were kind of doing all these different things. But. It just felt like nothing really worked to me. Like, nothing really paid off in this movie. Like, the acting was was really, really bad. The script was really, really bad. The animatronics, the one thing you kind of enjoyed, I thought was rather bad. Uh, You know, the story went nowhere. I mean, basically, you know, these kids are on, like, you know, make-out point, you know, all you know boning in their cars. (laughs) And then this, like, shooting star comes across the sky, and they decide to go investigate after Farmer John decides Ah. he's going to investigate with his hound dog they get killed and then these two random teenagers or p- teenagers who look 30 years old wandered <laughs> into the into the tent and they actually get away uh and then yeah. th- then the mayhem kind of starts and then kind of like the ridiculousness of it all is when the clowns go into town they start you know killing people and hunting down people and yeah it's just like nothing i mean i, I mean again there are people who love this movie it's a cult classic there are t-shirts sold to this movie and i understand like there's going to be these 80s horror comedy horror kind of spoof movies that people are going to love and they're, and they're absolute classics to certain people. But this is one that I just, I've seen it and I don't remember disliking it that much until I rewatched it yesterday. And I'm just like, what did I see in this movie? Like, I really didn't understand it. And again, I admit I'm watching it now with a bit more of a critical eye because we're talking about on this podcast. So we, again, if we talked about this a week ago, and we just did an impromptu podcast. We just talked about our memories of killer clowns. So oh, yeah, it was kind of funny, kind of stupid, you know, kind of enjoyable. You know, the clown effects are kind of dumb and whatever. Now you know, we would we laughed it off and said it was one of those kind of movies. I can't say that now watching it again. I'm like, what what did I just waste an hour and a half of
0: my day for? Yeah, man, it's just, they were just, they were just, uh, I want, like, I feel like I keep saying they're throwing things at the wall, but even that's not true. Like it's, it's so like, it's too much and not enough all at the same time. Like they really, they just botched, <laughs> they botched everything that they could possibly do in this. Uh, uh it, you know, I, I made a little note and, and I think I was like, oh, this is actually the, the perfect, uh analogy for this entire thing those kids that are all out there making out on the on makeout point when the, when the comet hits our main characters are a guy and a girl and they're making out and they're sitting in the back of his uh, station wagon or, or no it's his his GMC Jimmy or whatever in an inflatable raft drinking Champagne, and I was like, <laughs> champagne, champagne in an inflatable raft is exactly what this movie is. It's like it's like there's something real cheap, and something not as cheap, which is the animatronics in this case, and the matte paintings, and and the and some of the the set pieces, but it's all in an inflatable raft, so it doesn't matter. Like you could have champagne in an inflatable raft, but you're still just." You're just floating down a river of shit like there's there's not nothing's happening in this movie. there's nothing there to keep you engaged there's I was getting bored and I was like how do I get how do I get bored with this? I used to watch this movie all the time,
1: yeah, I was very much the same way. There was actually a point when I paused it because I was dozing off, and I had just started i had to like restart it like when I kind of woke up and I'm just like. I don't like, again, and I watched it with the understanding that, you know, back in the day, I, I, I feel like I remember enjoying this movie. And I'm not saying yes. it was ever one of my all time classics. Like I didn't you know, sit there and be like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. This is one of the greatest horror movies I've ever made or anything. But I remember enjoying it and then watching it now. Like, again, it feels like, it feels like, again, I mean, really that's what it is. It doesn't feel like that's what it is. It's one of those movies that you watch when you're younger and then you mm-hmm. watch again, older, and you get a different perspective. I know I've talked about this on the show before. When I watched, I kind of the opposite effect. But when I watched *The Big Lebowski* the very first time, I didn't get it. I didn't find it funny. I didn't find it, you know, all that intelligent. I was like, I don't get why people love this movie. And watched it a few years later, and now I've seen that movie, you know, a hundred times. One of my all time favorites. I can quote it from beginning to end. I crack up at something new every single time I've seen that movie and I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. This is like the opposite of that. I feel like (laughs) I remember enjoying it. I feel like I remember enjoying elements of it. I remember, you know, enjoying certain parts of this movie and then rewatching it now. I'm just like, what did I enjoy about this movie? I don't understand.
0: And uh, I'm right there with you. It's like the exact same situation. I've watched it as many times as I've watched the big Lebowski, which is many, 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 many times and uh, and then i come back to it at a single at a single point to analyze it and i'm like where was what was i like it doesn't even seem like i was watching the same movie yeah it really doesn't it, like like i'm just like there was all this dead space i don't remember all this dead space maybe i was doing something else as a kid like i we, you know this was before iPhones and YouTube, the internet was around, but I, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't lightning fast. No one was, no one was spending any uh, inordinate amount of time on an internet while they're watching films back then. So I was sitting around watching it. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. What else was <laughs> I doing? Cause this is, this movie was just so boring. Um, something else that kind of, kind of hit me over the head was this movie's very male centric, and typically in horror, in a lot of the horror we've covered, there's a really strong female presence. It's there almost always is. Uh, whether f- the reasons for that are varying. They're, they vary wildly. but there's always a strong female presence. This was the first in the in the podcast films that we've been reviewing where pretty much only the men are talking. There's one woman. And she's just sort of a damsel in distress. She's not even a scream queen, really. She's just sort of in trouble a couple of times. But the rest of the time, it's these guys trying to, like, lob jokes and lob gags at the camera. And it's just like, bleh. Like, it makes a great argument for keeping your horror film female-centric. Seriously, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It's really bad and like the dial
1: and again I understand I'm not asking for award winning dialogue I don't right, think anyone's right. looking at this movie saying it's going to be an academy Award winner or anything but I still have like a certain like minimal level of what I expect out of a movie and this definitely did not deliver in that regard either I mean everything like I said everything about this movie just came up short for me on the rewatch and I'm just like man i I really I I'm watching it and I'm thinking, I just don't know what I saw in it. I really don't. Like, I'm just watching it again and I'm just like, man. I And I, in a way, I kind of felt bad. Like, I was like, I was reading your notes <laughs> and getting ready for getting ready for the show and I'm like, man, I don't know if I could be that mean to this movie because I feel like back in the day I enjoyed it. But my God, I just like, I really, I, I can't, I can't lie to the audience. I can't lie to our listeners and say that I enjoyed this movie more than I did because I didn't. And I, I really... Again, I feel like this is one of those movies that attains cult classic status and then everyone just kind of talks about it at that point. And I'm I'm kind of like, have you gone back and watched it? Because it really doesn't (laughs) hold up. You know what I mean? It's like, there are certain movies that you go back and watch now. You're like, yeah, I don't really understood what I, what I saw in this. And again, different time, different space. You know, I saw, I probably saw this for the first time. I know I didn't see it right when it came out. I probably saw it like 89, 90, you know, around that time. 91 even maybe in the early nineties, probably. Uh, You know, it wasn't it wasn't a Nightmare on Elm Street movie where I was running to the theater to go see it, or a Halloween movie, or a Friday the Thirteenth movie, which are all the slasher movies. Those are the ones I you know went to the theater to see as a kid. Uh I didn't yeah. go see this, but I do remember seeing it. You know, relatively within a couple of years of it coming out, and then I'd seen it. You know, because it was it was a PG thirteen movie, so they played it on TV. Like they played it on regular TV. Uh, fairly regularly, you know, late at night or whatever, because it wasn't one of those ones you had to edit a ton from because it wasn't R-rated and it didn't have a lot of gore or anything in it. So you weren't editing out like half the movie for, you know, censors. Uh, So again, I know I'd seen this movie several times, but again, from, you know, 91, 92 to 2020, a lot of time has passed since I've seen this movie (laughs) and boy, again, I keep saying it and I don't mean to keep hammering it, but boy, it did not hold up.
0: Nah, it really didn't. You know, it's, Hey, sometimes, sometimes you just you run smack dab into a stinker. I think it's going to happen again on this show because I do I do cling to the theory that as later into the '80s you get the harder it is to pin down like solid, solid horror films. I think I feel like every time we go back over a horror film that we've kinda seen. Uh, I'll, I'll use Slumber Party Masker again as an example, because it just falls into that perfect line. It's an early 80s horror film that I sorta just wrote off. I was like, yeah, I know about it. I, I remember the cover from when I'd walk around in the VHS store, uh, and I've seen it a bunch of times, just kinda in the background, it's always been on. But it surprised me when I analyzed it. It surprised me for how good it was, this one. It surprised me that when you use the words killer clowns from outer space, that it's going to end up sucking, (laughs) which I know sounds weird because, but, but, but ultimately, you know, like we're into camp, we're into the weirdness. We're, we're into all that. There just wasn't a lot of um, intention. I say this all the time, a broken record on this podcast. Intention matters. And I don't think these filmmakers had any intention when they made the movie other than to show off their, what Damon thinks are terrible (laughs) animatronics. I thought those were animatronics. They, 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 that's all they could achieve in this movie. They didn't achieve anything else. They weren't trying to make a film. They were just going like, "Eh, yeah, clowns are scary. Let's do clowns." And then yeah. that, that, that's all they did. And, and not, by the way, and not I, really I, scary clowns, I'm sorry. They're they're not scary. No, but I do but I do think I still stand by I think the the heads on those are better than I expected them to hold up.
1: Yeah. All right. We do have some, some categories to get to tonight. I feel like this is going to be a rough one, but we're going to get to them. Uh, as we as we open up with each and every week in our categories, we're going to talk about best and worst performances. And boy, did I really have to pick through this movie to find these. Uh, let's open with
0: best performance uh, because, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a thin category in this movie. A very thin category. Um, there's a, there's a couple of I actually think standout performances, weirdly enough. But that's because the the rest of the performances are so wooden and stiff and nasty, that you know they don't they they don't deserve any sort of recognition. But here we are. Uh, my best performance actually goes to the old farmer Gene Green, played by Royal Dano. Royal Dano is a veteran of about 200 films and TV shows. I mean, this was a guy. Who? Uh, that's a successful actor. Two hundred films and TV shows in his in his lifetime. He passed away quite some time ago. Uh, but he sells some serious melodrama in the in the in the two minutes that he's on screen. He's like pissed because <laughs> they, the the clowns took his dog, and he rightfully just like curses them. is like damn y'all to hell, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get my dog. Like, he goes for it. And I was like, you know what? I gotta appreciate the guy. He went for it in this movie. You know, they, He probably just got a call from his agent, and, like, hey, I don't know, kill her or something. Okay, I'll do it. And he went out and he did his thing, and he, he, he was on set for probably uh, two hours, and that was it. And he did his job, and I I gotta give him the, uh, the credit for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not gonna expand too much on that, because uh, I don't know really <laughs> much more to be said. Uh, my best performance. I'm gonna give to one of the quieter people in this movie, and maybe that's why I'm giving it best performance. Uh, to Suzanne Snyder as Debbie Stone. Now, I have ah. to now I have to admit, Suzanne Snyder as Debbie Stone. As you said, she's kind of the the one woman in this movie, and she's not the the heroine. She is very much the damsel in distress. And I'm not typically a fan of those kind of roles for women in horror movies. I enjoy the Nancy's and the Lori Strode's, the ones who kind of overcome the villain, the ones who kind of yeah. went out in the end of the day. But. Here's why I like Suzanne Snyder. It has nothing to do with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You know why <laughs> I like Suzanne Snyder? Because she played two separate roles in Seinfeld, which is the greatest sitcom of all time. Uh, she that's played true. She was in the episode where George pretends to be a Nazi and she's in the car and he has a crush on her oh, in like yeah. season two. And then she shows back up several seasons later as Jerry's girlfriend, the one who is Poppy's daughter who won't try oh, the shit. who won't try the apple pie. I, that oh, is her shit. yeah that she's, is her, like, that, I'm is her. It now, completely. that is her so she gets my best <laughs> performance surely because she went on to star in two separate roles in seinfeld that i really didn't realize was her like when i saw the movie i was like why does this woman look so familiar to me and i looked her up on imdb and i was like oh she was in seinfeld but it said two episodes like season three and season six or seven or something i was like huh and in two different names, I was like what? And I looked her up. I was like, oh my god, she was in two episodes, two different seasons, and she played two different characters. I was like, that that is range right there, my friend. That is range. <laughs> she really didn't show it's- a lot of that in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but because she eventually got her act together and starred in two great episodes of Seinfeld,
0: I'm giving her best performance. Damn it. That's amazing. It's amazing you gave her best performance for some other show. Because <laughs> I had, her, I actually had her early on when i was making the list i had her on my worst performance list she's pretty rough in this movie pretty 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 stiff okay so but, i when you but, said that i was like what do you mean best per- like we're gonna have a we're gonna have a knockdown, drag out fight here she was terrible in this movie but if you love her in seinfeld i gotta give you credit i love seinfeld i can't, yeah. I can't argue with that
1: let's be honest here best performance is a very very low bar we're setting okay i'm just being honest <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what?
0: Now I'm gonna. I, I hope I don't spoil your worst performance. But soon, while we're on the topic of best performance, I actually left. I left this hanging because I wanted to give it to you. For people who don't know, we I, I typically set up the list, uh, and then I emailed to to Damon, and then Damon comes up with it. Uh, comes up with his his half of it. But oftentimes that means I get first pick. So I didn't pick a specific actor because I was sure you were going to pick this guy. And that's the veteran character actor John Vernon, oh, who's yes. in a ton of things. And I was sure you were going to pick him because he was on he was very famously he was the dean in um oh shit. Oh, let me I might have to pull it up. He was the dean in um What the hell was that movie? It's, it's a very famous me. movie.
1: I know I know what you're talking about. It's going to bother. Oh, me. Animal House. Animal House, the yeah. Dean
0: in Animal House. he's been in Dirty Harry. Uh, you know he I mean t- we're talking a veteran veteran uh, and and honestly, I think he actually does a really good job in this film. but I, I remember sitting there thinking he's in another film. yeah like he's acting in a serious cop film. You know, where where he's like a hard boiled cop, a pissed off cop. Like he's acting in a completely different like I guarantee you he didn't listen to a word that Stephen Kyoto said. He was like Stephen yeah. come, Hey, uh, John, why don't you try it like this? Uh, fuck you, I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> and then they roll the camera and he'd do his thing and it was brilliant. I thought for sure you were gonna pick now, John
1: Vernon. See, this is why we this is why we make such a fun podcast because we know each other so well. That <laughs> was gonna be my pick. That absolutely was gonna be my pick. The reason I didn't go with John Vernon is because he he was the only real actor that was in this entire yeah. damn movie. And I recognized him. For, actually, when I first recognized him, I recognized him from Dirty Harry first. I'm a huge Dirty Harry fan. And I was like, oh, that's the mayor in Dirty Harry. And when the movie was over, I was like, I literally felt bad for him because he ultimately played no real role in this movie outside ended up being a puppet at the end. Uh, But he yeah. played no real role. Like, I thought, like, when I rewatched I was like, okay, does he play a bit? Like, in my head, I couldn't remember. I'm like, does he play a bigger role? Does he end up being the hero? And then, no, he just ends up being kind of a pointless character in the end. And I was kind of like, okay, I kind of feel bad for the guy because he actually went out there and tried to act in a movie that was just awfully bad, and yeah. he was the one kind of real actor involved in this movie. So to, so when you say you expected me to pick him, you're absolutely right. I did pick him from the very beginning of this movie when he showed up. I said, well, this guy's absolutely going to get best performance. And he did until I discovered Suzanne Snyder went on to star in two Seinfeld episodes. Yeah. And that's why she got my best performance.
0: It makes me wonder, was John Vernon ever in Seinfeld? Because if he was, I bet he killed it.
1: I don't think he was. I don't think oh, he was. I, I, he
0: was. I re- I'm going to have to go over uh, off when we, when we're done with the podcast and see, I bet he made one appearance. The guy, I mean, the guy's just done it all. He's yeah. a, and he's a fantastic actor and yes, he's, he's brilliant in this movie, but he's, he's clearly in another movie the entire time. Yeah, absolutely. All right.
1: Worst performance. This is going to be fun. Uh, worst, per- worst performance in
0: killer clowns from outer space. The entire cast outside of John Vernon and Suzanne <laughs> Snyder. No, um, my 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 pick went to the lead character, which, by the way, it was confusing to even see who was the lead because there's there's this one guy. The lead guy is Mike Tobacco, is the the character's <laughs> name, which is a super weird name. And then there's this cop, this sort of good-looking, like blonde, like all-American guy, uh Dave, Officer Hansen, Officer Dave Hansen. I really couldn't tell who was the lead for the like the whole movie. I was like, is he the lead or is he the lead? But it, because it was so poorly put together, anyway. For me, the worst the worst performer was the top-billed actor, Grant Kramer, as Mike Tobacco. He's the lead in this movie, and he's just as stiff as could be. I couldn't believe how bad the performance was. Yeah, he was quite
1: bad. He was quite, quite bad. <laughs> quite uh, bad. My, my pick for worst performance is everybody involved in this movie, uh, <laughs> from search to finish. But if I can't say the entire cast, I would have to go with... Uh, The Terenzi brothers who were in charge of the ice cream truck. I know they were supposed to be the comic relief and they will make an appearance in my favorite line, not to bury the lead here because I figure if I'm going to go out for favorite line, I might as well just go all the way, but they were so bad. And, and, and I understand they were written to be the comic relief, except they were so bad and so pointless that I was just like, I don't like when it was over, I, I was hoping the clowns would eat them. I was hoping they would yeah, be the ones yeah. like that would be massacred at the end because like they were so unbelievably annoying and so unbelievably bad and their names for you know anyone curious out there, Michael S. Siegel and Peter Lacasse played the Terenzi brothers and they were Terenzi terrible. They were awful. Uh <laughs> So in a in a in a in a in a in a movie that has a, a very 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 low bar to clear for best performance, the worst performance, you're really doing something special, and I think these guys definitely took the cake for me, or the ice uh, yeah. cream, as the case may be.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they took the ice cream on this one. Uh, yeah, they. they... They were working hard to get that nomination from you, and I think they they deserved it absolutely. <laughs> I remember, uh, I I remember the the part in the movie where the giant killer clown, because there's a giant killer clown at the very end, the final boss, if you will, like he he hurls their ice cream truck through the air and it explodes, and I was like, oh cool, they died because they were so annoying. <laughs> I, I had forgotten that they end up surviving by somehow being in the front seat. And then going in and staying in the, uh, or, 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 hiding in the, in the ice cream freezer. That's how they survive. It didn't make any sense.
1: And by it, the way, let's not forget their genius of going into the ball pit and then they get seduced by two female clowns that they just kind of <laughs> gloss over when they yeah. show back up, they got like kiss marks all over from yeah. lipstick. And they just yeah. kind of like gloss over the fact these two guys porked a pair of alien clown women, uh, yeah. I, which was just, I'm watching, I'm like, what, 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 what is going on here? So, yeah, it
0: was just, yeah, there, there, no, was, a, maybe, there
1: was a lot to dissect there.
0: Maybe cr- credit, credit due to the Chioto brothers there. Because that's maybe the only thing that pays off in the movie is that the uh the Terenzi brothers from from the jump are trying to get laid that's why they're running around all night with their ice cream truck trying to lure women you know to to have a good night with them, and they actually end up having a good night that's the that's the one thing in the movie that starts and pays off yeah, I guess you want to say that you could
1: <laughs> uh. Best line uh, was a rough one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I got to be honest. Your best line, uh, not necessarily plays in my bit. I'm going to talk about your best line later in another category. Let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, yep. But your best line, set it up as we get ready to play the clip.
0: Yeah, so uh, the clowns are now... Descending into the town and and you kind of follow them as they go around Uh, one little tiny Clown decides to uh, come up to a group of bikers who laugh at him and bully him because you know They're a bunch of bikers and uh, and and they smash this one biker comes up to him and smashes his bike and he gets all upset Disappears reappears with two big boxing gloves and uh, and this is the bikers reaction to it
1: (laughs) What are you gonna do? knock my block off you know uh (laughs) my favorite my favorite part about that line isn't just the line of knock my block off it's the guy being going damn yeah i mean it's
0: good it's a good it is actually the only thing anytime in the last 20 years that i've the, that big gap where I haven't been watching the movie. If somebody brought up killer clowns from outer space, that was the exact moment I went to every single time. What are you going to do? Knock my block off like every time. So I had to pick that. Cause for me personally, that was probably the most memorable part of the movie. Yeah. He literally decapitated into- <laughs> the dude going, damn. <laughs> that was definitely good. That was definitely good. Hey, but, Hey, those bikers were pretty pretty good this time around. We we talked about uh Friday thirteenth three D had some bikers that weren't very convincing. These were convincing bikers. They were, they
1: did a good job. Uh for my best line, I just went full killer clowns for this one. I just went all the way to a a great scene uh, in the second half of the movie when our hero, Mike Tobacco, is trying to get the Terenzi brothers to help him uh, because, you know, he's been separated from Officer Dave and he's trying to get someone to help him on his quest to stop the killer clowns. And this is the conversation and how he convinces the Terenzi brothers to help him uh, is, is pretty much the antithesis of this movie.
0: Paul, this is more important than selling ice cream. There's clowns going around killing people. We're all in danger. Well, we haven't sold that much ice cream tonight. We haven't sold any. Come on, guys. Will you help me? Look, at least take me over to Debbie's house, okay? I think she's in danger. Does she have any roommates? Yes, she's got two. She's got two beautiful roommates with big boobs. (laughs) Oh, God. She's got two
1: two beautiful roommates with big boobs. (laughs)
0: Like... Oh man, I gotta tell you, this is this is what you get when you just let a bunch of guys in the late '80s make a movie. It's exactly what turns out.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is, you talk about the payoff later with the uh, the killer (laughs) clown women. The killer clown women grow big boobs to attract them out of the ball pit. So if you watch that scene again, they actually grow their boobs in the scene, and then the guys like, "Oh, are you Debbie's roommates?"
0: uh, Yeah, they have these like inflatable boobs, like it's kind of clown themed. But it's there, there again. It's another payoff. The setup and the payoff for the Terenzi brothers is the most consistent thing in this movie.
1: Yeah, that's about the only consistent thing in this movie. <laughs> uh, this movie's not really there, – there's a lot of – it feels like this movie gets kind of like cobbled together in a lot of places. Like you could yeah. easily like take out certain things. You never miss them because they really – well, there is really no plot. But you know they really play – they don't really don't play into the larger – point of the movie if there is a point to this movie but uh if there is a best scare for killer clowns in outer space from outer space excuse me uh what is the best scare of this movie
0: you know it was a reach and i and i really tried to find something there was just one moment where there's a clown that's trying to lure a girl a little girl from inside the fast food restaurant it just the the tone of the whole movie kind of changed in that moment to sort of menacing it was quieter and it was creepier and there is something that's just creepy about like a weird looking clown like trying to lure a little kid out of a out of a restaurant like and and it's very fleeting you know i'm giving it more credit than it's even worth but that was the best scare i could find
1: yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. That was actually my pick. And generally, I try to go in a different direction when you pick yours. But there really weren't a lot of scary moments in this movie. So that definitely was yeah. one. That was definitely a creepier moment. I mean, I think when you involve kids like that, it is yeah. kind of creepy. And that actually did kind of creep me out. And I'm glad, like, it's in the end, you know, he doesn't get the little girl. The parent, you know, saves the little girl. So it's kind of like, okay, I'm glad that happened because I think that would have been a really wrong choice to let the clown butcher the little kid. Uh, so yeah, so that was definitely the best scare, the best creepy moment. I don't know if I'd say scare, but best creepy moment was definitely that. Cause that was, that was like one of the more, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this for this movie. That was one of the more real moments of this movie. Like where you kind of felt like that sense of dread, you know, like that was kind of like the the, the best, you know, the best of that. Uh, and I, and I feel like we're going to agree on a couple more categories because again, paper thin to pick from here. Uh, best kill and uh, and killer can i go first on best kill because i feel like hey, i yeah. could okay because i know we're gonna agree uh, go best for. kill was the knock my block off guy when the guy gets his head decapitated yeah. and it goes flying into the trash can that was definitely the best kill because so many of the other kills this movie are them now i'll, I'll give i'll give a, i'll give an honorable mention to the to the pies melting the guy like acid yeah, that was that was interesting right. that was good uh, but the yep. knock by block off seem as good because he just like with the punch, he knocks his head off, decapitates him, it goes flying into the trash can, and the bikers flee and freak out, and the one guy goes, damn! <laughs> that was, that was the best kill. If it wasn't that one, it had to be the, 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 the pie gag with the, the pies getting thrown on the guy and then melting him down into a pile of mush. That was, that was a pretty good one as well. But most of the kills in this movie are them wrapping people up in, in with a cotton candy gun or whatever you want to call it. And, yeah. and, and there's really nothing, you know, there's, that's not a good kill. That's, I mean, I guess you could say in the opening of the movie when, when, when Mike and Debbie first go into the spaceship and they rip off one of the, uh, one of the cotton candy bulbs or whatever you want to call them. And you find like a bloody face behind it. That was kind of good, but yeah, huh. there were not a lot of kills in this movie. So I think the knock my block off guy is pretty much the highlight.
0: Yeah. And you know, he, it's weird. Like the way his body collapses and his head goes flying. Like, I don't know. It was a, and it's certainly the most memorable thing. I think the only thing I I could ever replay in my head was the clown heads and that scene. And that so that scene worked, you know. If we could play rewrite of the living dead for a moment, you know, bring that segment back, just that scene and the and the clown trying to lure the girl from inside the restaurant. If they could have, if they could have kept it somewhere between those two things, if they could have danced between those two moments, the entire movie they might have had a cool movie on their hands.
1: Yeah, if we played rewrite rewrite of the Living Dead with this movie, we'd literally have to rewrite the entire thing. Yeah,
0: I think we're gonna have to rewrite the whole thing, and I'm okay with doing that. If you are, we can we can rewrite this movie and make it amazing.
1: Yeah, there is a way. <laughs> there actually is a way to make a killer clown movie so- that
0: is scary and, and
1: can be funny. And actually have a plot. Uh, this is not it though. Uh, <laughs> best best gore in this movie, and and we got to be honest. There's not a lot of gore. It is a PG-13 movie, so they didn't really stack this with a lot of gore. They really couldn't do a stack this with a lot of gore. So what was the best gore?
0: Well, uh, so what I put in there is something that I've already talked about um, earlier in the podcast. Was I thought I just thought there was no gore to speak of aside from like the head in the trash can, and even that's super light on gore. Um, the animatronics, again, uh, to me, that the the wet, nasty mouth and the teeth looked very realistic and rotting and all that stuff. So I I, I gave it to that just because every now and then they'd have close-ups on the clown mouth or whatever. That was, to me, the best thing that they had going for this entire movie, pretty much.
1: Yeah. For me, Bess Gorn, it's a very minor scene, but I just mentioned it when Debbie and Mike go into the... Spaceship and they pull off one of the uh, one of the bulbs and they and they find a bloody face behind. It. I thought that was a pretty good bit of effects, just because you, you kind of got to see what's behind the you know what's behind the curtain so to speak, and and that was good because there's like this bloody dead face in there and I thought that was a pretty good effect. Uh, you know, not again, not scary, not really shocking, but just kind of a cool thing to see what it is behind there. And I thought that was very well done for for gore. You know, again, very light on gore, but if there is any gore, I thought that was probably the best. The best moment. Yeah. Uh, best clown gag. Now, there was a lot of clown gags in this movie. Boy, I tell you what, the, what they, they didn't get in story, they definitely made up for in clown gags in this movie because, <laughs> boy, they chalk them full of that. Uh, what is the best clown gag in Killer Clowns from Outer Space?
0: Yeah, you know, the the one that, uh, that, that got me and I mean, I think every clown in this movie tries to kill in a clown-centric way. Um, and most of it are not very successful. The one I liked and I thought was a well-executed and original idea was one clown kind of makes a shadow puppet for a bunch of people who are waiting at the bus stop. And they're like, oh, wow, look at these cool shadow puppets he's making. And then it turns into like a dinosaur that grabs them and eats all of them so that the shadow consumes them. And then he kind of holds them in his hand or something like that. I, I, that was to me, the only thing that I was like, that's pretty original. I wouldn't have thought of that. And I, so I gave it to that
1: yeah that was pretty good. The, the one that I enjoyed as far as the gags that kind of paid off in the end was the popcorn gun, which as it turns out that was yes. the most expensive prop on the entire movie. It cost them seven thousand dollars to make and it looked <laughs> yeah and it looked like it looked like an at at from Star Wars connected to a giant cock at the end, which was a gun. and you look at it again, it's very phallic. it's a very phallic looking gun. Uh, cost $7,000 to make, and it actually spewed out real popcorn. And when they did that at the beginning of the movie, when they threw the popcorn at Mike and Debbie escaping, and you see them run out with all the popcorn still very much stuck to their bodies, so you knew there had to be some kind of payoff, you're kind of wondering what. And then it kind of goes away, and then it comes back when Debbie goes into the shower, which, again, no nudity in this movie, so it's very PG-13. But yeah. when she comes out of the shower, the the the, pop, the popcorn have come alive into like little... Clown creatures, and I thought that was a good payoff because, it, again, it was uh, it was it was some kind of innocuous when it happened, but you had to know something was going. I thought like I couldn't remember what they did. It's like I knew this paid yeah. off. I couldn't remember yeah. how it paid off, and then the fact that they became little clown cr- clown creatures that came after. I thought that was you know pretty good
0: pretty good yeah i think i think they they try i think what they're trying to imply there is that like the popcorn is like the the killer clown eggs or the little hatchlings right so they start as popcorn and then they turn into these gross clown things
1: yeah yeah it's weird uh all right. Uh, boy, I tell you, whew, man. Uh,
0: so you sound exhausted, Damon.
1: It's taking a lot out of me, man. Watching the movie and actually talking about it, it's taking a lot out of me. Uh, is this movie
0: scary? When you go back and you rewatch Killer Clowns from Outer Space, is it scary, Patrick? No, it's not scary. I think a kid might find it kind of freaky. I mean, it's, you know, it... And anyone who has any sort of serious clown phobia, that would pro- it would probably fuck you up. Like you-, you would be like, I don't know, I don't I think I want to watch this, even though it's a terrible fucking movie. Like, it- it's still like freaky looking clowns, and if that's something that bothers you, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, it- it might it might scare you, but it's not a scary movie in any way, shape or form. Like take the clown element out and just make them like killers from outer space. It still wouldn't be scary.
1: Yeah, it's not scary. It's not funny. It's not ironic. It's not a eri- yeah. There's not. There's not a lot I can say. Tell- I like I said. I tried. You know, kind of like with Host. You know, when we talked about Host, and that was probably the movie we bagged on the most on this show. Uh, you know and, and i I still talked it up quite a bit, and scare me yeah. was probably yours you you really didn't like scare me. I really enjoyed scare and me and I
0: still appreciated it for what it was yeah,
1: and host was the same thing. I appreciated the originality and, and kind of the making the making the best out of a bad situation of the pandemic. I applauded I applaud the filmmakers for that and 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 I, and I said there were elements I did like you know, and even you said there were elements you understood and kind of you know you could see in a different yeah. context it would work. Nothing here. There's nothing here. There's nothing I would want to rewatch. Now that I've seen it now, I can pretty much tell you with 100% certainty, I will not go back and rewatch this again. 100%. Uh, It doesn't hold up. I don't know what I was watching 20 years ago when I watched this movie and thought it was good or decent or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Man, it's just, it's really, really rough. And and, and I understand there's a lot of, of, you know, again, one of the things I love about horror, because when you say you're a horror fan, everyone says oh you're a horror fan and we all are you know it's kind of like when we go to comic con you and i both go to comic con every year sadly we didn't get to go this year but you and i go to comic con and when you say you go to comic con everyone goes there and they say i love comic con now in reality everyone that goes to comic con goes for something different some people go for anime some people go for the movies some people go for the actual comic books. some people go for a certain television show some people go for the video games You can go to Comic-Con and kind of immerse yourself in a lot of different worlds, but on the large, you can talk to anyone there and say, I love Comic-Con, and we all kind of agree we love Comic-Con. We may love different things about Comic-Con, but we all love Comic-Con. Now, with horror, it's kind of the same thing, because as I said coming into the show, we did our intro show weeks ago. My favorite genre of horror is I love slasher movies. I grew up on slasher movies. I have always I've always adored slasher movies. But obviously I love other movies as well. I mentioned a million times, you know, Jaws is one of my all-time favorite movies, Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby. You know, you come to modern horror movies, you know, Session Nine is one of my favorite films. Uh, you know, uh there there's a lot of great horror films, you know, Devil's Rejects, obviously I mentioned that one a number of times on the show, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which we both adore. There's a lot of different genres inside horror. And so I guess what I'm getting at with this long diatribe is I understand there are people who see killer clowns from outer space and they appreciate the ridiculousness of it, the kind of campiness of it, the the bad acting, the, you know, the, just the, the overdone effects and they love it. And I appreciate, I really do. I appreciate that. It's just not for me. And I, again, I Mm -hmm. say that knowing that this is just not my kind of movie and anyone that loves this movie, I'm not telling you, you shouldn't love it. You can absolutely love it. I'm just saying for me personally, this is not a movie that I enjoy and it's
0: not a movie I would ever have a desire to revisit. Yeah. I think it's because you and I are both really at the heart of it. We're like film geeks more than it, like we could do this podcast and just talk about regular movies. We could easily do the same podcast and, and just just talk about anything because you and I are, are film buffs. And so when we sit down and watch these things, we sit down and watch them in a critical way to, some people say, oh, that takes all the fun out of it. I think it actually enhances the fun of it, right? Like, if I, had, if I had just sat down and just went on the ride for this one movie and not thought of it in any critical way, shape, or form, I would have fallen asleep. I would have done what you, you know, you felt, you almost fell asleep watching it. Cause this, there's just nothing to this movie. There's nothing to it. I wished there was. I wish that that memory from my childhood, like, uh, like oh man, I used to really love fish fillets when I was a kid. If I got near one today, I'd probably vomit if I ate it. Like, that's yeah. kind of what it is. It's just like, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think this is this is what I thought it was at all. Yeah, and see, it's like like
1: I go back now and I and I've rewatched in recent years. I've rewatched some of the classic Batman '66 show, which I absolutely loved growing up as a kid. Uh, it yeah, wasn't me too. On, it wasn't on when I was a kid, but I watched reruns when I was a kid, and I loved right. it. And I and I'm a comic book fan to this day. I still you know I I go to Comic Con as a comic book fan. I love comic books. And and I love Batman. I love the Batman sixty six show. Now when I rewatch it, I still love it just as much. But I also know it's very campy, it's very bad, it's it's you know, not well written, but it it's hilarious and and the the kind of campy humor pays off, and, and and I still love the very, like, 60s nature of that show, knowing that I'm watching it, not expecting, you know, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight, you know what I mean? Like, I right. appreciate Batman 66 for what it is. And there are 80s and 90s and whatever else horror movies that are very campy and very, you know, very stupid, I guess. I don't know how better to say it. Like, very campy kind of movies, and I can appreciate them, and I understand that's kind of what they were going for, with killer clowns from outer space, it just didn't work for me. Nothing really worked in this movie. The acting was bad. The plot was pointless. The The execution was bad. The, the effects, in my opinion, even that, the one thing you gave it credit for, I thought was bad. So it just, nothing really worked for me. And when I rewatched it, I'm just, I'm, I'm rewatching, I rewatched it. And when it was over, I literally said to myself, what did I see in this movie? Because I don't, re- <laughs> I don't remember disliking it this much.
0: I, I don't know if we're going to end up getting into it or not on this show. Um, but I watched uh, Verotica, which is Glenn Danzig's probably first and only horror film. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> but it's something. I don't want to I don't want to bury the lead in case we uh, in, in case we end up talking about it. But um, there's a lot of rewatchability in that film and not for good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is not that like it's like. I'm putting this one to bed, which is kind of it's there's almost like a sadness to it because I loved this growing up as a kid. I watched this movie, like I said, endless times. And I just sat with it and going and I just went, nope, never again. I'm yeah. not going to bother with this. I'm not going to recommend it to anybody. I'm not going to. It was a, it was a waste of time, which was it. That's super sad. It's sad when you sit there and go, I wasted my time.
1: Yeah, it is. It is kind of a bummer. And, and listen, you know, there may be more horror films that we eventually go back and watch on this podcast that it will have the same effect. I don't know that for sure, because there are a lot of great horror movies that I haven't watched in many, many years that, that I haven't gone back and rewatched recently and maybe they won't hold up. I don't know, but I can tell you for sure that killer clowns from outer space is not one that I'll be going back now in the future to say, yeah, I can't wait to see that again, because I tell you what, if I could scrub it from my brain <laughs> for the last like 48 hours, I absolutely would. <laughs>
0: yeah I'm gonna have to go after this podcast I'm gonna have to go and redeem myself and watch something I really really like but I will
1: say on this note before we get out of here one thing we both agreed on one thing I actually really did enjoy in this movie was the theme song the theme song by the oh, dickies the yes. classic yes. punk bands and dickies so I, I got on here this was pretty good
0: I gotta give it credit the theme song was pretty good Dude, it is actually pretty good. I dug it. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad you found a way to, to kind of end this on a high note because it is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the Dickies did a good job with this. All right. <laughs> I think we're good to get out of here now. I think we've said enough with, so. about uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So with that being said, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Damon Martin. You
0: are? At Director Patrick.
1: And thank you for tuning in. As always, we will see you for another installment of Rewind of the Living Dead. We will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Thanks.